Hi, and welcome to the Possibly Haunted Podcast. And welcome back to the Possibly Haunted Podcast. I'm here today with my two Texas friends. Morgan. And Heather. The other one. Yes. <laughs> so we are back with another episode. The other one. <laughs> okay, no, this keeps coming up and I don't know why it keeps coming up, but I am absolutely the mistress in this little tree trio situation and I've accepted that. I'm okay with that. That is fine. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like being the marrying type. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, y'all were together before I entered the picture. <laughs> ah, okay, anyway. But, <laughs> uh, so we're back with another episode of Morgan's Topic, which is Hoarders. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit about our Coven Corner, which was, what do you hoard? Is that, I think you phrased it slightly differently. What is an object that you collect a lot of or No, it's hoard. Like what do you yeah. hoard? Because then, like, after I said it, I was like, maybe that's an insensitive to say, thing to say since we're not actually hoarders. Yeah, but and, you know, to an extent, the, what, if you ask them, the other two, they would say that I'm kind of a minimalist. If you ask my mom, she would tell you that I'm a maximalist to the extreme. Uh, what? She thinks I have too much stuff. Yeah, my mom thinks I have so much stuff. Um, but I don't know. I think I was going <laughs> I through my I, stuff sorry, and trying to think. I need a second to process that. Yeah, according to my mom, I have a lot of things. Um, so, and I tend to be, like, I am definitely, like, a consumer, 100%. I like to buy things, but then those things get donated or given to other people very quickly. Um, but some things that I do definitely collect, uh, I would, I was going through my, my mind, and I was like, I think the only thing that I actually collect and don't give away are my antique gloves, like, I go to oh. thrift stores and and antique stores and find little, like, teeny gloves that people have had handmade, like hand-sewn gloves or hand-knitted gloves, or I have these lace gloves that are, like, handmade lace, um, and I just kind of keep them in my drawers. <laughs> just, I have a stack of them. I mean, the reason I started collecting them was because I have tiny baby hands, and it turned out the only <laughs> gloves that fit me were antique gloves from people who were from forever ago and the long, long time ago. Apparently they had tiny baby hands too. So, <laughs> you know. Okay. <laughs> so that's how I started. Uh, that's how I started is I was looking for some decent gloves that would fit me. Um, and now I have a small collection of, like, ladies' church gloves. And do you ever wear them? Oh, yeah, I wear them at all, especially in the height of the pandemic when they're like, hey, you should wear gloves. Oh. I was like, ha baby, you don't know how ready I am for this. <laughs> so, I, like, I would wear gloves out to touch things, and then I would put them in, like, a disinfectant solution to hand wash them yeah. afterwards, and they became very useful to me. Oh, so wait, before the nice. pandemic, did you wear them that often, or only on special occasions? Uh, not, not that often, mainly because... Um, they would get stained because they're white. Yeah. A lot of them yeah. are white. And so I'd wear them to, like, 
if my hands were going to be cold and I would care, I'd throw them on. Or if I was going to go, like, to an event that I thought that would look nice with gloves, and occasionally I would wear them. But they were usually really for cool. just collection. Yeah. I think it's a I really like a good, good retro glove. Yeah. Yeah. It is mostly useless. 99% of the time, very useless. <laughs> I think but I do appreciate about it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I was trying to think, because I do collect things, but all of them are very functional. Yeah. Because I think about things as <laughs> what their function would be in my life. Um, and so it's very rare that I'll buy things that don't have function and are just cute. Mm-hmm. You know? Or fun or interesting. Um, so I would say the only thing that I can think of that is mostly useless are the gloves. I think it's really... It's yeah. Like, oh, go ahead, Morgan. Oh, I was trying to explain to somebody how you are with what you with what you buy for yourself. Yeah. And I was like, so whenever I'm buying presents for Kat, I try to buy her buy her something she can use and then be done with it. And I was like, so she gets a lot of soap. And then I stopped and went, that sounds like I don't care about her. It's like really good soap. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I like nice things. I do. I really love nice things. And so I'll well, buy I nice things. But I can't afford to buy you nice things. That's That's nice yet. soap is nice things. That's the thing. As long as it's like, you know, I don't care about the price. It's just about the quality of the object. Well, and I was like, that sounds bad. But she likes things that she doesn't have to keep forever because she's a minimalist. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not, though. So like, not... if you met people... Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we were not minimalist, but you're, like, right above it before being officially called that. Someone once told me I was a utilitarian. Okay. Like, I look at things based on their utility, oh. and I don't yes, necessarily okay. like things that don't have utility. I like that. Uh, that's a good in my thought. Life. Yes, and sometimes that thought. utility... Yeah, sometimes that utility is, it made me smile once, and I was real sad. So that is its utility. <laughs> you know? So, if that counts as a utility, then I can justify all of the It stuff, very rarely justifies utility um, in my life. Well, because, like, my, when my I, turtle. When I first started, like, getting to know Kat, I would see things that, like, oh, she would love that. And Morgan had to be like, listen, she would love it, but she's not going to keep it. Like, when she moves, it's not going to be there. And I was like, oh, I had to, like, really learn how to, like, get a gift for Kat, which is okay. Like, I mean... Yeah. I, I also kind of like practical gifts um, just because, like, they can still be nice and pretty and all that, but um, I only have so much space Very in my cute, house. Morgan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at I bought turtle. a black crocheted turtle because he's from over the garden wall, and I liked him. Yeah. He was necessary. I was there during turrets, that purpose. It was maybe. necessary. Um, but it is true that, cat that you will get rid of things because I had a friend over the other day last week and she was like, oh, I love your Scorpio painting. Are you a Scorpio? I was like, no. But <laughs> my best friend made it. She didn't want to keep it when she moved. And I said, you worked so hard on it. And she said, eh. So I kept it. <laughs> so the question is now, yeah. Kat, as someone who does not keep stuff, and it's okay, you're not going to get in trouble, but do you still yeah. have the mom I made you? Yes, I do. She has the mom. But it I is in the never box. Got a mom. <laughs> And I made her a mom, a small one, not not Texas size like she would have normally gotten, but I gave her a tasteful <laughs> mom. And then that's she small. made a big deal on social media. She was like, I didn't get rid of this because Heather would be so mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I won't. but the thing but. is, in the most recent move, a bunch of the ornaments shattered. So I had to, oh, I've no. kept it in a small box because oh. I don't want it to become a hazard. Uh, but it is still there. That's fair. <laughs> So. Well, and again, like, it's not a big deal. It, it's, it was just mo- like a, hey, welcome to Texas. Here's a Texas tradition kind of thing. Yeah. 
Um, but I thought we'll it was see sweet. how many more moves it takes before yes. it dissip- dissipates into the ether. But you <laughs> turns know, into dust and like, returns to cute. Texas. <laughs> yeah, basically, once it becomes the dust, the dust in Lubbock, Texas, that's when we know. Um, but but yeah, I do keep the. I do have various things. Like I have this one uh, picture of my mom and dad that I absolutely love, where my dad has this like Fu Manchu mustache going on and a um, powder blue colored leisure suit. Um, which that is sounds my, amazing. It's my favorite photo, and if I ever get engaged, that is the photo that I'm going to recreate for our engagement announcement. Yes. And I get to be my dad because I want a ma- mustache and a powder blue suit. I think mm-hmm. it would be great. Mm-hmm. Now I just have I've... to find someone who's willing to be my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Who looks, now you really honestly, sound like a dude. <laughs> she's... <laughs> <laughs> I will say, as as sort of a, a, a little bait out there, she looks real cute. She's wearing, like, this very classic sort of seersucker uh, dress that's, like, I think sleeveless. She has long, uh, dark hair. She looks very beautiful. So, mom looks classic. Dad looks trendy. <laughs> Send in your mm-hmm. applications now. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a good look. <laughs> Anyway, oh, so uh, yeah. we might as well get into the thing because I have a story to tell you guys. Story time with Kat. Yay. So imagine for a moment. It's March. Springtime. March 21st, 1947. That's your history vision coming in. An anonymous tipster who identifies himself only as Charles Smith calls the uh, police precinct, the 122nd police precinct in uh, New York, and he says something along the lines of, hey, there's a dead body in this house, and I need somebody to come check this out. And he's anonymous, so we don't know who he is. This, But the caller claimed that he was smelling the decomposition emanating from the house, and he needed someone oh. to come by and clean that up. Um, the police were kind of used to getting calls like this from the house that they're talking about, but frankly, those people were kind of recluses and um, were a little bit of an, an eccentric pair, uh, so they didn't really think about it too often, but they were like, you know what, we might as well just go over, uh, respond with an officer um, to go over there, just check on them. So... The responding officer initially has a little bit of a difficult time getting into the house. There was no doorbell, no telephone, and the doors are locked. Um, All the basement windows are broken, but they are protected by iron grill work, so it's not like he's going to get through there. So then, they dispatch an emergency squad of seven men, who eventually had no choice but to start pulling out things that were in their way and onto the street below in order to enter into the house. Uh, the brownstone, uh, brownstone's foyer was packed solid by a wall of old newspapers, folding beds and chairs, half a sewing machine, boxes, parts of wine presses, and numerous, numerous other pieces of junk. The patrolman eventually broke in through a window in the second-story bedroom, um, which is the picture I sent uh, over to you guys. It's yeah. a really interesting photo. Very. Behind this window... Among a bunch of other things, there were more packages, more newspaper bundles, empty cardboard boxes lashed together with a rope, frame of a baby carriage, a rake, old umbrellas that were tied together, and so many other things. Um, After about five hours of digging, they found a body. It was one of the Collier brothers. So, so we'll learn a little bit about the Collier brothers. 
so basically, the Collier brothers were these two brothers who had been born into a certain level of wealth. Um, when they first were children, they would live in this um, various places in Manhattan. They were generally well off. Their mother was an opera singer, um, and their wow. father was a gynecologist at Bellevue Hospital. <laughs> um, okay. And they went and had really good school relationships. They did all of these things. They went to Columbia. They had a, a pretty, I would say, a nice and very decorated childhood. Um, yeah. Uh, because of what they were afforded through their parents being very wealthy. So that's great. Um, then uh, later on, their parents did die. And after that, they continued to live together in that Harlem brownstone that they inherited. Over the next four years, the brothers are still very social. Um, they left their home on a regular basis. They continued to... Uh, Homer, uh, one of the brothers, was a lawyer and continued to practice law. And his brother, Langley, was a piano de dealer. They also taught Sunday school at Trinity. Uh, but unfortunately, in 1933, Homer lost his eyesight because he was having hemorrhages in the back of his eyes. And so he had to stay home for most of the time because he could not see. Um, and so Langley quit his job to take care of his brother, and the two began um, to spend a lot more time within the household. And then what kind of tipped the, the, the weights over to being a bit more reclusive uh, was due to the effects of the Great Depression. Uh, they had grown up in this neighborhood, and... Um, they, they were used to it being a certain way. However, during the Great Depression, the demographics shifted. Mm -hmm. um, there were, there's a shift in socioeconomic uh, demographics as also as, and racial uh, demographics as well. Um, so that was something that they were not comfortable with. We will put it that way. Um, <laughs> and so basically because of the, the demographics of everything shifting people moved out other people moved in and they were like ah and so they shut themselves off from the world langley collier basically said we don't want to be bothered whenever someone asked why they wouldn't come out now uh there was a lot of rumors that went around about why they were like that and because of them being sort of recluses and eccentric um they were became sort of targets for neighborhood kids which is why all their basement windows were knocked out is the oh. kids would come by and throw rocks at their windows, and um, they tried to, like, get into the house, and so, of course, they were like, ah, we're going to bar the doors shut um, with the attempted burglaries. Then things started happening, like, um, uh, they had their phone disconnected in 1937, and the brothers were like, it's fine, we don't have anyone we want to talk to anyway. Um, oh, wow. Then uh, there's a a point when the electricity, water, and gas are turned off in 1938. But, but they had, like, a, some kerosene heaters that they were like, that's fine, we can do that, so we don't have to go out and get it reconnected because they would have to leave the house to do that. So they're not going to do that. Wow. Um, then uh, Langley did go out just enough to get them water from the nearby park. Um, and their only out link to the outside world at that part was a small crystal radio that Langley made. Um Crystal so, radio? Uh, crystal radio. I did see that, and I was like, what is that? And so it's it's called a crystal set, a uh, crystal radio receiver. It's a, it's a little simple radio that has, like, a little headphones attached to it. It was really popular oh. at the time. Um, 
it only uses the power of the received radio signal to produce the sound and it doesn't need external power so it was like a super super cool compact way of getting the radio yeah um Okay. So, because it was originally made from a piece of crystal, but then later on it wasn't. Right. Um, thank you for asking, because I did look that up. <laughs> so well, uh, that sounded very unique. I had never heard of that. <laughs> that's really cool. So, anyway. So, it, the other thing is that someone came by and said, hey, you're not making payments on your house. Um, and they, apparently, one of the brothers was came out front and wrote a check out for $100,000 and handed it to them. And then no one ever bothered them again, up oh, wow. until the point where this anonymous phone call was made. Um, if only, right? Uh, <laughs> but, so when the police uh, came in, they found um, a body, is basically what happened. So they're looking through, and the medical examiner confirmed the uh, identity of Homer, and said that the elder brother had been dead for approximately 10 hours. According to the medical examiner, uh, he had died of starvation and heart disease. Police had initially suspected that Langley Collier was the man uh, who had phoned in the anonymous trip regarding his brother's death and theorized that he had fled the house before the house had arrived, before the police had arrived. It was later discovered that, in fact, the neighbor called the police based on a rumor he had heard. The police officer uh, was posted outside to wait for Langley, but he never arrived. Police began to suspect that Langley was dead when he failed to attend uh, Homer's funeral, which was held on April 1st. So, after the discovery of Homer, rumors became, uh, began circulating that Langley had been seen boarding a bus heading for Atlantic City. There was a manhunt that was sent out in New Jersey that showed up nothing. Uh, there was a report of a lot of there's a lot of reports, false reports of Langley sightings. Uh, which led peace, uh, police across nine different states searching for him. Uh, the police continued search of the house, removing 3,000 books, including several outdated phone books, a horse's jawbone, a Steinway p- piano, uh, an early x-ray machine, and more bundles of newspapers. More than 19 tons of junk was removed from the ground floor of this brownstone. That's the ground floor. Wow. wow. Yeah. The police began to clear away the brother's stockpile for another week, removing 84 tons of trash and junk from the house. Although a good deal of junk uh, came from the medical practice, the considerable portion of it was from the Langley brothers over the years. Uh, Approximately 2,000 people stood outside to watch the cleanup effort. Because that's what people did back in the day, (laughs) is they just kind of, it's like watching a house burn down kind of situation. Um, So... Yeah, let's see here. There's more. Um, On April 8th, 1947, a workman found the body of Langley Collier 10 feet from where Homer had died. Langley was found in a uh, 2-foot, 60-centimeter wide tunnel lined with dusty bed springs and a chest of drawers. His decomposing body, which was the actual source of the smell reported by the uh, tipster, had been partially eaten by New York rats. Uh, it was covered by a suitcase, the bundles of newspapers, and three medical, uh, m- three metal be- bread boxes. The medical examiner determined that Langley had died around March 9th, um, quite a bit of time before the anonymous tipster called, like a week yeah. and a half. Um, police theorizes that uh, th- they theorize that Langley was crawling through a tunnel to make food for his paralyzed brother when he uh, tripped a booby trap he had created created to ward off intruders and he was crushed by debris his death was attributed to asphyxiation 
The brothers are buried next to their parents in an unmarked grave at Cypress Hill Cemeteries in the Brooklyn Borough. Why is it unmarked? So, I don't, I think it has, so, marking graves largely has to do with money. Okay. Um, so it could be that they didn't have money left to do that, or there wasn't someone to arrange that, or perhaps they didn't want their graves vandalized by people. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, okay, so I was gonna, I was going to ask, they, because you said they went on a manhunt, so they thought that he killed his brother? Yeah, they thought that he had killed his brother and tried to escape. Um, And they couldn't find him because he was in the tunnel. Wow, Yeah, they couldn't find him because he was dead in the apartment, and they did not know um, until later. And the whole reason why his brother died was because he's paralyzed and couldn't take care of himself. Yeah. Wow. That, it's just like tragic after tragic after tragic event, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is, it is deeply upsetting and has become a subject in pop culture. Like, a pretty hefty subject in pop culture. Yeah. Um, I think mainly because it was sort of a, um, uh, sensationalist thing, like we were talking about before. People Mm -hmm. were standing outside to watch them pull things out of the house. There's pictures of them pulling things out of the house. Um... There's I'm like, so sorry I picked such a downer topic. No, it's okay. Well, we'll we'll talk about well, and, it um, in popular say, culture real quick. My my episode next it actually has a happy ending, if that helps. Okay, oh, good. It does help. Um, <laughs> but pop culture. Oh my god, I feel so bad. So the uh, the term uh, a collier's mansion or just a collier is apparently something very commonly used in firefighters, um, especially those in the East Coast, when they talk about going into a dwelling of hoarders because it becomes a serious danger for the people who are emergency response. um, Yeah. Because they don't know the paths and stuff like that. So that is something. Um, Okay. There was also a uh, portion of My Brother's Keeper, um, which is a book by uh, Marsha Davenport that has the Collier Brothers story in there, a fictionalized version of it. Um, okay. And let's see, episode of Frasier, um, it, which is called The Dinner Party, there's a character that, uh, or uh, Frasier and his brother are compared to the Collier Brothers by their father. Um, there's a Criminal Minds episode where mm-hmm. there is a um, an allegory to the Collier Brothers uh, yeah. which features a criminal who is a collector. Um, so there's there's Law & Order Special Victims Unit episodes about that, and also in Marvelous Miss Maisel, um, they discuss uh, the Collier brothers when they talk about where to move after losing their apartment. Wow. Oh, wow. There's a lot. Okay. And that's just a small section of it. There's a ton Honestly, yeah. those are the ones that I was like, that seems interesting. That's very so, yes. eye-opening, yeah. The, the impact yes. that, that that particular situation had. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely, like, it, I would say a fairly rare occurrence to that level. Right. Um, and so I think because this was, these people had a lot, the Collier brothers had a ton of money, so they were able to hoard to a max degree because they were left alone they didn't have to have a phone they didn't have to have anything um with the outside world so they were able to kind of sit in their sickness like well they didn't pay them they were refusing to pay them is it because they wouldn't leave the house to pay they didn't want to leave the house to pay and honestly they didn't think it was they could Uh, do it without it yeah so So. i wonder if having money kind of helped them 
hide it a bit longer. Yeah. I think they did. And it was it's definitely a defense thing. Like things were changing so they were trying to hold on to as much that was right. what they liked as much as possible. It's a uh, apparently it's an off um shoot of an obsessive compulsive disorder. Actually, um, that's what I was going to so, talk about um in in my episode. <laughs> Okay, well then, perfect. We're just gonna segue into that then. Um, well, but we'll take yeah. a little break um, with. Uh, I'm I'm really legit, legit, legitimately fascinated with this topic. Like, not to sensationalize it, but just you know, all the situations that led to all those different moments um, is just mm-hmm. like just as like a analysis or historical point of view, just very fascinating. Um, without yeah. being disrespectful to the actual people involved. Um, but if you're interested in these kind of topics um, or you have your own uh, story you'd like to share, we can make everything anonymous. Or if you have a topic that's similar to this that you'd like us to talk about, you can always let us know through our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can email us at possiblyhauntedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, you know, if people weren't fascinated by this, then we wouldn't have... Uh, like therapists and psychology like we have now. True. <laughs> yeah. So. True. So yeah. I think this is a, that's a pretty obvious answer. If you have secret tunnels in your house that kill you when booby you traps. try to be and multiple booby traps. Yeah, uh, yeah. Your house is like definitely haunted. Not even possibly. So. Woo! Woo! Definitely haunted. <laughs> 